All right. Bengals fans, Hooday Nation, Bengals Twitter, anyone who said they were a Bengals fan, anyone who was a Bengals fan back in the 88, anybody who has ever worn black and orange, hell, anybody that's worn a piece of orange clothing and maybe worn black shoes, you are a Bengals fan this week. The Bengals are going to the freaking Super Bowl. It, it almost feels it, it, it almost feels unreal to me because I got a tattoo of the Bengals when they were doing the worst they've ever done. When they were an 0-16 season. I'm a Bengals fan. I know for a fact that you were sitting there when the Bengals were the worst that they've ever been. And here we are today. Voice of the Jungle. This is Tanner. This is Matthew. And we're coming to you talking about something that, you know, it it, it seems unreal. And there's a tear in my eye. I, it, you know, it, it's hard to talk about because the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you just really never knew how far they were going to go the entire time. So, like... We, we all bought playoff tickets to the first game, to the Raiders game, the Raiders-Bengals. Um, and, and it was just, you know, I I felt like from the beginning of the season that I always thought that we were going to be a playoff team. I thought we were going to be a wild card team. And I know at the start of the season, according to major analysts and whatnot, that was an outrageous opinion. I remember when the Vegas odds came out and they said that we were only going to win six games. I was like, oh, you bet that. I never bet on the Bengals, but you bet that. Like, you, you really don't think we're going to win six games with Joe Burrow if he's healthy for the entire season? Come on. You bet that. And so I know, like, going back to what I was saying about the playoffs, it was like we never really knew how far that we were going to go, but it was kind of going to be like we had a fair shot in any round that we were in. And but do you do you honestly think that it was a fair shot? Do you honestly like think that it was... Like officiating-wise or like... No, I mean, I mean football-wise. Do you honestly think that it was a fair shot coming into this round? Because I had my doubts. I, know, think, I think everybody had their I doubts. I think everybody had their doubts, especially when we got stunned by the Jets. Um, it was really kind of like, can I, can I interrupt you and say, and I, can I say, I think the real stopping point was when the Bengals got stopped by the Bears. I think that was the, I think that's the catalyst is the Bears. I think, I think that was definitely part of, I think that was definitely part of the turnaround because like, you know, Burrow is in that game, throws three interceptions and then somehow we're still in it at the end of the game, though. But I, I think that that may have been the turning point for Burrow himself, where it was like, you know, like, I got to take care of the football better. Uh, he's probably still getting off the heebie-jeebies at that point from, like, being having the ACL surgery along with the other torn ligaments in his knee. So I, I definitely think that was, like, a huge wake-up call. Like, hey, like, this is not who I am as a player. Like, this was a bad game that I had, and I can't. I have to take care of the football better than I have during this game. 
So is that the catalyst, or is it the Browns game? Is it is it almost losing to Jacksonville? What do you think the catalyst for this season is? Yeah, or do, or do you even think to, it's last season? Do you I, think, I really it's, think it's, it's hard something? To pinpoint it. Like I'm because yep. like I think I think it was probably the catalyst for multiple different members of the team during different points of the season. Like you know, like I feel like that that game against the Bears that you mentioned. I feel like that was Burrow's low point. Like. He, he had thrown, I think it was five interceptions through ten games in a season the previous season. So for him to throw three in one game, like, that that's unheard of. But, like, it's almost like, you know, you know the player that Burrow is, but then you also know the injury he went through. So it's, like, hard to, like, really hold him accountable to that. But at the same point, at the same time, like, you know he's a better player. And it's, like... You know, we watched him progress after that seat, after that game, and he he still threw more interceptions after that game, but they were more. They continued to 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 get yeah, less. Yeah, they they continued to decline. Yes, and like you know, we make it all the way to I think it was the Niners game, and then after that game, I don't think he threw an entire or an interception the entire regular season. So you can tell that ball security became a focal point for him himself in his football journey during the season. And I think that's something to to highlight amongst the entire season and postseason is ball security. You hit you hit the fucking nail on the head. It's it's ball security. And and granted, he's learning when to throw it away. He had a really, really bad throw away during Kansas City to where I don't even want to talk about it because should Kansas City have come up with the ball? Yeah, right on the sideline. There, should should have Kansas City. Yeah, yes, it should have been. But, it's it's borderline. But but to your point, ball security, you can tell in Joe Burrow's mind it's ball security because his timer goes off, the ball snaps, and if he can't make a play, if Uzama doesn't cut across the middle. If Chase isn't down long, if Higgins doesn't come in with a post route, I mean, you see Joe Burrow is starting to tuck and roll. He is no longer just chucking it into the middle of the field and taking, you know you know what I mean, going down. He's learning ball security. But at the same time, and correct me if I'm wrong, tell me what your thoughts on this are, Matt, because what I've seen is Burrow is learning. And we are, as as a Bengals fan base, all of the sudden, this season alone, we're all of the sudden used to Burrow being the next Tom Brady. To whereas the last 25 so, years, we went through Andy Dalton. We went through Carson Palmer. I don't know if I'm ready to say that I was ready to consider him the next Tom Brady. But that's what the media is saying. The media hates is, the Bengals. They love so, Joe Burrow. For so some reason, they hate the Bengals. They love Joe Burrow. My explanation to that is... What? White, dude, white dudes no, are cool? No, we, white dudes that wear we, pink shades are cool? We got, we got the contrast of that game that he played against Chicago where he threw the three picks, right? Yep. But then we have the tail end of the season where he wasn't throwing any, any interceptions. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know... We, we have him in this playoff game against Kansas City coming back from 21 to 3. Like, oh my God. Like, for, for him to be able to do that, 
for him to be able to come back from a significant deficit against the great Kansas City Chiefs not once but twice, that proves the kind of character he has as a football player. You know, like, he, he's never mentally demoralized on the sideline. He, he always believes that there's a way out. And so for, for me as a Bengals fan, let me juxtapose that, um, I've had to deal with the lost decade through the 90s. You know, Peter Warwick was my favorite player. Most people who are NFL fans of other teams probably have no idea who that is. And probably couldn't even tell me the position that he played. Which I couldn't. Receiver. I couldn't. Wide receiver. And I was there for the Corey Dillon game when he broke the single game rushing record. Like, those were dark days. Those were the, those were the, we had to focus on, like, single players. You think those are the dark days? They, they were pretty dark. And, you know, after that, we kind of came up and out of the darkness with Marvin Lewis. But it was like... To a point. To a point. To a point. There's a glass ceiling. It's a glass ceiling. That's what I'm saying. There was always a glass ceiling. So it's like, you know, like we'd always do good in the regular season. And I will never say great. We did good during the regular season. Thank you. Thank you. We beat the teams we were supposed to. Thank you. And then it's like when we were under the lights, we couldn't show up. We couldn't get the job done. And we were what everybody else thought we were. And so... There's always a part of that when I was even at the Kansas City game that's in the back of my mind. You know, when I was at the uh, the end of the first half and I was in the bathroom at the Kansas City game, I remember hearing all these Chiefs fans like, oh, yeah, we're just one half away from the Super Bowl. We're one half away from the Super Bowl. We're only 30 minutes away. What was it like taking a piss after? Oh, man. Like, <laughs> Chiefs fans up in the bathroom. Let me just say that. Please explain. Please. So, so, and I know, and I know we're kind of jumping around and bouncing around on this podcast, but you know, we, we, we're at least we're talking playoffs. Can you just, just throw me some of those highlights of the game? Because I wish I would have went. It was only $500 a ticket, which, which is crazy, so, but, but give me some of that experience. Yeah, give me some sure. of that shit. For sure. Um, so, like, the Tennessee game was, like, a long game. It was definitely, like, a – it was more of a defensive matchup, it felt like, than anything else. And if you're if you're not a football fan, you're not here for that. That's not the game that you wanted to watch. But if you are a football fan and you love defense and you love watching love plays get defense. shut down, you love yep. watching receivers get shut down. You like making adjustments. Yeah. You, you love takeaways and you love that then that was the game for you because getting three interceptions against Tannehill, that was amazing. You know, I had a... But that's had, against Tannehill. Yeah. So I had a uh, I had a Tennessee Titans fan tell me on my way up to our seats with Kirsty and uh, my father that, um, you know, my stripes were going to look ugly on Broadway after the game, after we lost. <laughs> and I was just like laughing at it because it's like, you know, like I've never been so sure of something in my life like... I can't believe all these analysts pick Tennessee. Like you, you got to be kidding me. Like but at, I this, wish but I at the same time, at the and same time, we're still Bengals fans. We know we we understand the capability to to be able to pull up to the big game and all of a sudden shut down with no light shining and all of a sudden it's like, it's like the city that never existed. The tone was different though when the first play of the game that we went out there on defense and got an interception. And got the interception. Like you could feel the Titans fans just automatically get deflated right after that first game. Like the fans behind me were even saying like, Oh, it's all right. It's all right. We'll come back. So then, so then what was it like in Kansas city? Was it the, was it a similar feeling to that once, 
once so so let me okay so give me your 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 feelings your emotions from the shutdown 10 seconds to halftime we stopped them from from scoring was that the turnaround time sitting at halftime i mean were you getting a pretzel and a beer were you getting like like give me your emotions i give so the only like, beers like play, i got play by play the only beers i got were the beers right at the start of the game or right before the start of the game cuz i literally didn't want to miss anything like this was this was something i was going to remember for the rest of my life absolutely and so so um repeat that again what was, what was the questioning so i can yeah so give me so emotions going through the game like like you are sitting matt you're sitting so, at the playoff so game so i remember emotions feeling, going into halftime they didn't score coming out of halftime so i remember feeling so even before halftime but when we got there in kansas city I remember feeling like, you know, like this was not the Titans game. Like we were not taking over the stadium. I didn't really feel like there was like the kind of crowd that showed up to Nashville. But then I showed up at the tailgate and it was something else. Like Bengal Gyms. Yeah, Bengal Gyms tailgate. Shout out Bengal Gyms. I, I say we took up an entire acre of land over there in Kansas City. And they wouldn't let, let us have it next to the football stadium. But we had it next to the Kansas City Royal Stadium. Who day? Bus was out Hootay. there and everything. Oh yeah, dude! It, it was it was a great sight to see. But um, I remember so to compare it to the Tennessee Titans game, everybody underestimated us going into that game. They they thought they they thought for sure Tennessee had that from the get go. Um, they thought that we had never seen a defense like that, which we hadn't. And. You know, like, they just really thought this was just going to be the end-all, be-all. Like, we were going to be a one-and-done team. But going into the Kansas City game, everybody kind of felt different about it. Everybody thought it was more of an even playing field. It was literally going to be a last possession game. And what did it end up being? Last possession game. Absolutely. Yep. So, the first half was dismal. I think the turning point was that stop right at the end of the first half. Uh, they were trying to go for the touchdown. Yep. And the defense held strong. Um, going into the second half, you know, we kind of carried that momentum. Um, you know, we were all quiet as Bengals fans because, you know, we didn't want to jinx anything. Well, like, that's what Bengals fans are. Yeah. And, and that's the next topic we're going to talk about. So so keep going on yours. But, but Bengals fans are quiet. Yeah, They're so, quiet winners. So it was really hard to, like, see us come out. And uh, we were we were gonna be uh, playing from behind in the second half with the Chiefs getting the ball, and you know like the difference is we didn't lose hope because like you always know you got Joe Burrow back there behind center and you always got a big playmaker out there. He's got like probably the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Like that's not that's not even really. Too debatable when Jalen Ramsey's even over there admitting the same thing on the Rams. So the hope was never really lost. It was just kind of like disappointing that we didn't come out strong and get the lead from the get-go. Because um, nobody really wanted to see the same story as we had the first Kansas City game. But then when we got that P. Ryan touchdown. Oh, which that, I can only imagine. That was great. The, the, stadium, yeah. the stadium that had the true fans... Because the Bengals fans that were in Kansas City are the true fans. 
that are willing to pay the money, that are willing to go to the distance, that could could get off work, could, not couldn't, could get off work and be able to go. Those are the fans. You were able to see a Samaj P. Ryan who, as as you and I, Bengals fans, we've seen Samaj's his his talent. The hero of the Steelers game. We, yes, we he, exactly. Yeah. Him, 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 and him and Ryan, Ryan Finley. Finley. And Ryan fucking Finley. That's who. The, Samaj P. Ryan, Ryan Finley. Those are names that we already know. And going into a Kansas City Chiefs game, coming out to, to, to the AFC freaking championship. Are you freaking kidding me? And Samaj P. Ryan touchdown. The Bengals fans that know Samaj are the same Bengals fans that have been through shit. If you know Samaj P. Ryan, you're a freaking Bengals fan. And yeah, to be able out. to see, and, and I love, every, and I don't want to cut you off, but I love every single Bengals player that ever was and is. But this team especially. This yeah. team especially. And from somebody that, that not only lived through the Jeremy Hill peak, but was a part of that shit was... We thought we had the best running backs in the world. We thought we had the best tight ends in the world. And, and all, of someone, all of a sudden, Samaj P. Ryan very, very, very quietly sits in the background. Yeah. And, and every and once shines, in a while. Shines one of his every, numbers. Every once, the dude is like a diamond that can't get picked. The dude is the needle that sits on the outside of the haystack that you can't grab. Because he keeps shining in your face. And it's like, I'm Samaj P. Ryan. Because normally he's just thinking... Boom. You normally just think of him as a guy who closes out games that were on the winning side of his Bengals fans. Yes. But yes. Those yes. of us who remember him during the dark times when Mixon's de- dealing with his foot injury and he's filling in. Um, After you know, Hill. Especially shout out to Tyler because Tyler is screaming that, you know, we have to have him as the running the running back too this year. No matter what, like he's proved his worth, he's proved himself. He has. Um, he has. Because I was, I was even saying, like I think Travion Williams is more talented. I think he should take the second spot. Um, he has a little bit of ball security issues, but no. Um, P Ryan, he's definitely, he's definitely a great back. Um, he's he, earned. He doesn't have his spot. He doesn't have that breakaway it. speed or anything, but he takes care of the ball. He finds the hole. And he makes it happen. So and going back to that receiving touchdown he had, you know, like we thought he was going to be down at like the ten or eleven yard line. We were actually and he at just that kept end going. Zone. Yeah, we were actually at that side of the end zone. We got to see that and the Jamar Chase touchdowns. So we were on that side of the end zone. We definitely thought he was getting tackled, and then he breaks away. Yes. And we yes. finally got yes. something to cheer about as Bengals fans. During that game, and it, it just it seemed like a coronation, sort of like Brady's Super Bowl against the Chiefs last year at the start, and then that was kind of like the the momentum changer there, if you will. So then, let me ask you this, because after everything you've just said about Samaje Piran, and and this is something I I think, and in, in, in I'll give my opinion on this if you want it, but is. Samaje, so so equate this is Samaje P Ryan to running backs what CJ Uzama is to tight ends because if you look at if we're looking at this year and granted yet we'll we'll talk numbers I don't have numbers in front of me I don't want to talk those because and I'm talking talking gross generalizations Samaje P Ryan is behind Mixon even though Mixon and that's another discussion. But yet, 
CJ Uzama is the one that has stood out. Is he the is he the equivalent of Samaje Piran? I would from a tight end spot. I wouldn't say that exactly because you got you got CJ because CJ's in the uh, he, he's a starter. So, so so can I also but, can I switch subjects real quick? Yeah. There's some rumors floating around there, and this is a total subject change. I'm going 100%, 360, 180, whatever you want to call it. CJ Uzama may or may not be dating Kay Adams. I'm oh, throwing... I didn't, I'm, I didn't I'm hear throwing, that, but You haven't heard this yet? for him if he is. May or may not be dating Kay Adams. That'd be awesome. That's big news. I saw this shit on Twitter today. So this is total speculation. Don't quote any of this shit. But if you look at Twitter and and we've seen I've seen some shit that is, you know, proven quotes. It's like we're playing clue. Well, CJ replied to this, K replied to this, this and that. She put smiley faces on this. CJ put put, you know, eggplant emojis on this. <laughs> it is what it is. And but nonetheless, they neither of them have denied you know, bringing the Midwest to the LA. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I honestly think, and so this kind of starts to drive into a new topic, but the Midwest will never be respected by the mainstream media. Never. Know. And especially, no, 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 they won't. No, they won't. When we have, no, they won't. Let me rephrase. Not no, they won't. They will never be. When we get a Super Bowl win. It doesn't matter. No, we'll be respected. So, so, hey, so what is what is more memorable, the Brooklyn Bridge or the Cincinnati Roebling Bridge? Which is more memorable? The Brooklyn. Do you know they were both built by John Roebling? Do you yes, know sir. that? Do you know I that do. the Roebling Bridge was built first, and the Brooklyn Bridge is modeled yeah, modeled a, after modeled after the Cincinnati to Covington Bridge. I feel like that will be the Bengals. We will always be the Roebling to the Brooklyn. We okay, will but always you, be. But, but that's No, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that's a good thing because we are the always will always will be the underdogs. Burrow is that kid from Ohio. But we had our face way. shoved in the mud. We are coming up. Everybody, this is it. So everybody else won the Super Bowl before us this year, right? So if Except you look, the Lions and the Jags. Yeah, I mean, well, not everybody. I <laughs> There's definitely other teams out there that haven't won the Super Bowl yet. Um, but the point I'm getting at Bales. is there, there's all these great franchises that ha- already have become come before us. Yes. Like the Roebling Bridge. Yes. They're the precursor. Yes. So who's not to say that, you know, Joe Burrow um, being hyped up the way he is, but it doesn't matter. I, if, it doesn't matter if, if Martin can, Luther King it, Jr. himself ran across even, the Brooklyn Bridge. The Roebling will still always be second. Yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals will always be small so, so, market. Small market. Yeah, but we, we are small year, market. If we win this year, we're the latest team that has won the Super Bowl, making us like the Brooklyn Bridge that came after. We the are. Bridge. We are. But at the same time, who is? It doesn't matter. You have people out there that are going to say, "Well, it's Cincinnati." They got lucky. McPherson kicked their way through the Super Bowl. 
Like, like I'm playing devil's advocate because you know, you know I'm gonna, you know how much I love Cincinnati. You know how much I love this shit. This is our chance. I have never yeah, seen it like this. Super Bowls are always about the greatest teams. It's never about any individual player. Which makes, makes which, which is literally, if I didn't have headphones on and I didn't hear my own voice, I'd start tearing up because, and I've cried once or twice, maybe a few times, even thinking about the Bengals, because this this is honestly something that we have never seen before in our this lives. This is the greatest team that we've ever seen put together in our lifetime. It is the greatest team we've ever seen put together in our life. But yet, at the same time, it's still the Bengals. It is still the blue-collar Bengals. It is still the accessible Bengals. Yeah, this it is, is still the, the reachable. We're do it. It's still the reachable Bengals. You know, Joe Burrow went to Athens. The dude hangs out the, at the college bars up there. Players are accessible. We're not the Rams. We're not. We're not Odell Beckham Jr. I don't have a house in the hills, and neither does Burrow. He may have one in Indian Hill. I don't know where he has one, but I guarantee you, it's nothing like Hollywood House in the Hills. The Bengals are the small market team that 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 made it. They're the little engine that could, yep. and they tried and they tried. And it's and it's emotional talking about because it's the team that we have loved and, and they're the lovable losers and at the same time they're the hateable losers because they've been the losers. In in this whole time, Mike Brown, he's been the enemy. He has been the enemy. The system has been the enemy. And finally the system has changed. The laws have changed. Katie Blackburn, the Blackburn's taken over. We all thought it would be the exact same. We thought McDonald's... Now, granted, they still practice outside. They don't have an enclosed practice stadium. But they don't eat McDonald's at practice anymore. Changes have come. We went from the lovable losers to the laughingstock to the, hey, you may you you, you might be something, to the, no, you're never going to be anything, to the, you don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl, but you're in the fucking Super Bowl! That is the Bengals, and it is it's it's something we've never it's seen. It's laughable to hear people say that we don't belong in the Super Bowl. Then it is because it is. our defense is like they called the Bills' defense the number one defense, but you saw the number one defense stop Kansas City in overtime. So if you ask me, I still think the Bills have the number one defense. I do. I think so we have number when two. It comes down to it. Defense is all about not giving up the big play. And, you know, you might get nickeled and dimed here and there, up and down the field. But when it comes down to it, when you don't give up the big play at the end of half, that results in another touchdown, putting you down even further in the deficit. And then when you get the crucial stop on the two-point conversion against Derrick Henry when we get a penalty flag called on us against a point after attempt. It's, these are the moments that make the Cincinnati Bengals defense the greatest defense in the league for this calendar year. Like, the, the Bengals defense shows up at the moments when we need them most. They might give up the points during the first half, but they'll come out and make the adjustments for the second half they will ensure that Burrow has a chance to make the comeback that he makes. 
So because without them, Burrow doesn't get that chance. So I 100% agree everything you've said about defense. Our defense is one of the best. However, in in its, I'm a big sucker for this era, obviously because I was a young teenager, hot in my prime. For this era, my favorite all-time player, all-time player, my favorite player, it's a mix. My favorite player is Clark Harris. Long snapper, obviously the best, is Clark Harris. It's definitely my, awesome to see him but, up against the fence. But, in the and, 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 and we'll get there. But, but my favorite player, my favorite player of all time, Adam Pacman Jones and Vontaze Burfitt. I, you have to put them in a duo because they're the duo. They're the cornerback defensive end that you don't want to play. Do you or – I want to hear what you have to say because I love our defense. And, and I'm a defensive defensive fan. Both jerseys I have of the Bengals are defensive players. I love defense. Defense wins games. I'm an old school guy that thinks defense yeah, that wins games. It, it defense fucking year. wins games. Last year against Kansas City, it was proved. Our defense is badass. But I honestly think that if you put Pac-Man Jones or Perfect and Perfect in our defense now with Von Bell, you put him in there. You put him in there just, with that Eli Apple. So you put him in there. You put him in there with everybody. Adam, I think the argument with Pac-Man Jones could be had um, so my disagreement with uh, my disagreement is going to be with Vontez Perfect though because the thing about him is I know I've said this to you guys in group chats before but I, I think the thing about Vontez Perfect is he was a linebacker that was behind his time if he was in the same era as Ray Lewis Oh, he'd have been number one. Yeah, he he would have been held in the same category. Like he he was a freight train. Um, he. So like, then, so he, then, let me ask you. Stop runs. So then, um, let me ask you this: Is it sentimental of me to still love Vontez Perfect and not love Trey Hendrickson as much as I love Vontez Perfect? Well, I mean, there's two it, different players. Really. Correct. Like, correct. But I at mean, the same time, do, am, am I being held up in the past while it, while our team is at the Super Bowl still wishing we had this rough and tough in a black way, and yeah. blue? In a way, I think so because um, the the way you got to think about it is that's like a. The Bengals of the past are a more physical defense, more emblematic of the yes, Super Bowl team. Yes, absolutely. Team that, uh, Marvin Lewis was the defensive coordinator of, and I think that's the kind of defense that he was trying to mold, especially when he decided to take Vontez Perfect. Rough and tough. That's that's what he was going for. And I think, you know, our, our defense now more or less matches... Soft and silent. Matches, like, the offense we have now. It's it's more... Yes! It, so our offense is really considered more of a finesse offense because it's more about the pass game opening up for the running game. And I think... Well, our, I, th- I think finesse defense works better than finesse offense. Well, I in think... The, in the finesse defense, the way I would define it is, you know, like... Sometimes we give up these passes up and down the field, and sometimes we give up some run gains. And a lot of times it happens in the first half. It's because, like, you know, we're trying to conserve our energy out here for the second half. 
And so it's all about not giving up the big play and keeping the game manageable, keeping the game within reach for your offense. And I think that's what our linebackers are really emblematic of with the Jermaine Pratt and Luke Wilson. Um, you know, like, they're, they're more... They're more linebackers that are rangy, have some speed to them, and they can drop back in zone coverage if they need to. And I just never really thought of that as, like, Vontez Burfitt's strong suit. Like, he was a good tackler. And yes. He was a good run stopper. Yes. But in today's NFL, where a lot of people are ex- starting to accept elements of the spread offense, like, I, I just – I don't see him having success. And then especially coupled – Couple that with uh, the NFL's initiative to stop brain injuries yes. and yep. concussions and things of that nature. So then, but Hard what about so like so so jump in, jump in, What do you think about Pac-Man Jones? Do you so think Pac-Man do you think Jones, Pac-Man would fit into our safety safety program right now? Our tight end program or, or our defensive end program right now? I and mean, I, so I'm assuming we're talking about Pac with cornerback. Pac-Man, cornerback is Pac-Man my favorite position. Of all time, yeah. because of Pac-Man Jones, cornerback is my awesome favorite position. player. I love it because it's a read and react position, and sometimes yes. you're alone on the island. And yes, it's you against the receiver. Yes, I love cornerback. Yes, um, I, I respect yes. the hell out of those positions because, like, I think that they're positions where there's not a lot of glory to be had, and it's you know, like the times you get burned, everybody notices, but the times that you stop or you deflect a pass and not necessarily get an interception, you don't really get recognized for that as much as you would if you were a receiver on the other side of the ball and you would be catching a touchdown or making a catch and run for like 16 yards in space. So totally get what you're saying. So if we're talking about Pac-Man Jones, like in his prime, or towards the tail end of his prime, right when he got signed with the Bengals, then I totally agree because, like, it it would remind me of sort of like an Eli Apple signing that we had, where it was like he was on the Giants and he was on the Saints, but on both of those teams he didn't really have a career that was comparable to what he had in Ohio State. But yet at the same time he's got a big mouth big enough to... Yes. But the difference, though, is that Eli Apple can keep it cool, calm, and collected on the field. Contained. Whereas Perfect was, I, I hold him partially responsible for that playoff loss where we had AJ McCarron as the starting quarterback because of the Andy Dalton thumb injury, and like you know he couldn't keep it together along with Reggie Nelson, even though his hair was wrongly pulled by Joey Porter and Vontez Perfect. Who knows Fuck if Joey was, Porter. Who knows if he was provoked or not? And then that nasty hit from Shazier to. Jeremy Hill that causes a fumble where he looked like he blacked out, but nobody called a flag or anything. But anyway, what I'm saying is a prime Pac-Man Jones, I see him as kind of interchangeable with, like, Eli Apple. I don't see him as, like, the, the starting shutdown corner or anything like that, Where, like how I see a Wuge. Um, But I definitely think that he would fit. I, I don't think perfect would. So, and I know we've been going off on tangents. I've been going off on tangents. You've been going off on tangents. We went to Cigar Night. We've been having drinks. It's been a good night. Overall, let's jump right to, to the shit that we actually want to talk about. And, and we'll keep it short, sweet, simple, and stupid. I, I, I think the Bengals are going to bring the Lombardi Trophy to Fountain Square. I think that the Bengals are going to host... 
Lombardi Trophy in the banks. And that is not me talking with my heart. That is me talking with looking at the games that we've played. Yes, we've barely won every game we've played. But we've won those games. And, and I know we've talked about this before because this is not a sport where, you know, the, it only counts when you're close when you play with horseshoes and hand grenades. That's the only time it's close. In, in the NFL football, particularly postseason, it matters who wins. And that's the only thing that matters. And the Bengals are able to pull that out. I think a lot of it is due to McPherson. Obviously, having the best kicker in the fucking league is going to do a lot. But at the same time, I think this team is, is the team that gets down to the nitty-gritty. They do what needs to be done. They All they want to do is win games. Which, you look at any other team from the past, you look at Odell Beckham. Please, you, you, you put Odell Beckham, I'll put Odell Beckham against Eli Apple. You put him against anybody, and he shut down. And now we have to start looking at Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase. We saw what happened against Jalen Ramsey when he played for the Jags against A.J. Green. He can be a menace. I do think, speaking with my head, I think the Bengals have what it it takes to pull out a Super Bowl win. I think to the Bengals, this is another game, which is the way they need to be going into it. This is the Bengals playing in Los Angeles. This is the Bengals playing the Rams that moved. The Rams fucked over their fan base in St. Louis. They fucked them over. Over and over and over again. I do think the Bengals have the skills needed to win a Super Bowl. And I think we will host the the trophy in, in Cincinnati. But I think that's because the Bengals are a smart team. I think coaching is going to I think it's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to kicking. It's going to come down to the team that wins, not the team that that Throws for five, six hundred, seven hundred yards. I don't care how much Matt Stafford throws for. A win is a win, and I think the Bengals are going to get out a win. What do you think about the, the, the Super Bowl? Give me, give me your Super Bowl thoughts. Let's, let's close this up. I think if you're a Bengals fan and you're not thinking that there's a realistic chance at a Super Bowl, you're crazy. And even if you're not a Bengals fan, like I think, like you should really be thinking about this, like fifty-fifty, because. I mean, we like I like we said earlier in the podcast, I really think this is the most complete team we've ever had. Like I think on defense we're completely shut down. We got the ends to get the proper um proper amount of pressure on the quarterback as far as the pass rush goes. I think we have the interior defensive linemen to shut down the run or at least mitigate the effects from it. And I think we have the rangy linebackers and I honestly think we have the best secondary in the league if you're not going to say the best defense in the league. We definitely have the best secondary in the league. We have the best two safeties, and the uh, corners have played above their pay grade like two or three times over this year. So I think on defense, we're completely shut down. Like I've said before earlier in the podcast, I think it's the best defense in the league. I think it's the best defense we've ever had. On the offensive side of the ball, we probably have the best receivers in the league as well. And um, dare I say the best quarterback, me being biased, being a Bengals fan. Um, so, so I think, so, I think so, what it's going to come down to, though, is the offensive line and how we can mitigate the pass rush. I, li- I like how you say mitigate 
yeah, we we understand what we have. We we understand what we have, but then on the other side of the coin, we also understand what the Rams have as a pass rush, and it must be respected. With Von Miller coming off the edge, and with Aaron Donald breaking up the guard positions and center positions on the inside, and even being able to line up on the outside. That's what we're going to have to concentrate on. It's going to take some chip blocks from Joe Mixon and whoever else is in the backfield. And then it's also probably going to take a couple of uh, blocks from C.J. Uzama and even Drew Sample um, probably staying in on a few snaps to kind of help, you know, I think, I think team the major pass. I think we use Drew side. Sample as much as we can. I think we do too. And I, I think – I think along him, along with Tyler Boyd, I think those are going to be the uh, and Samaj P. Ryan. And you have to throw him in there. I think I think those are going to be the sneaky ways to victory for us because, like, I don't think it's going to come down to Jamar Chase. I think that Jalen Ramsey, honestly, is it's going to be a battle. I think I think Chase will win it a few times out of the night, but I think that really to win this win this fight, win this game. I think it's going to come down to passes thrown to Boyd, um, probably a few to Higgins, and, you know, like, really just production out of secondary players like Drew Sample, like we're talking about, Uzama, and Samaje P. Ryan. It's, it's going to really come it's, – it's going to – we're going to be asking the most out of this team for this game. So give me your final score. Let's wrap this up. Let's give final notes. What's your final score? Final thoughts. Give it to me. Super Super Bowl 56. The Bengals are winning. The Bengals are in it. What's your final score? What do you think? So I've been toying around with this, and the most that I've thought has been 31 to 28, maybe 31 to 27 Bengals. My opinion? I think it's going to be 32 29 Bengals. I think, think it's going to be a walk-off kick again. I think it's going to be a walk-off kick. I think, I think in the most Bengals fashion, the Bengals will do it this year. I think Money Mac, Shooter McPherson comes back out. I think it goes to overtime. I do think it goes to overtime in the Super Bowl, and I do think it comes down to another stop in the first half. I think the Rams. Win, win the coin toss, I think it's another Kansas City. I think the Rams win the coin toss. We stop them. And I do think Money Mac wins it. Now, do I want to see a blowout? Yes. I want to see I the... I just don't think it's possible. I want to see the Bengals win 45 to fucking three. That's what I want to see. But I do think... I think it's going to go to the distance. I think this is, this is going to be Mayweather Pacquiao in their prime. I think this is the Young Guns versus... The slightly older stars that have, you know, they're they're aged in season. They know what it's like, but are they cohesive? We have we have a young team that is the they are the team of the future versus the team of superstars that is blended together. Do you want a smooth drink? Do you want to do you want a drink that tastes bad but makes you happy, or do you want a drink that tastes good and makes you sad? I think this is going to come either way, but I do think the Bengals are going to come out by three. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a close game. I think it's the last possession game. Um, That being said, 
I could see it going the other way too, where it is a blowout for the Bengals, and um, you know maybe our pass rush really gets there. You know Trey Hendrickson out here having more sacks than Aaron Donald. You know maybe he's able to get that much pressure on him to where he throws two or three picks this game, and it really ends up being a landslide that nobody thought it was gonna be. So like I think it's possible because you know we we watched Matt Stafford throw picks three picks against the Tennessee Titans defense. And that's not something Joe Burrow did. He, he had the poise and everything. He threw one pick, but, you know, it was even debatable. Um, it, that, that pass could have almost touched the ground. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I have more faith in Joe Burrow under pressure than I do in Matt Stafford. So if our defense gets home early and they're not trying to save their stamina for late like they did against Kansas City – then I, I could see us, like, pulling away with it early. So, this, I and I do think this will be the last podcast that we do before before the, the Bengals play in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't want to get sentimental right now, but I feel like we do need to. Um, I just want to take this minute to say... You know, I've been recording satire and 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 comic relief videos about about Marvin Lewis ten years ago. I got my first Bengals tattoo the day that I turned eighteen. <laughs> it was during a losing season, and and everybody said you're 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 stupid. You're you're a fucking idiot for getting that. And yeah, like they'll my, never be anymore. They'll never amount to anything. And and that's not why I got the tattoo. That's that's not why because I'm a redhead that went through Catholic school when bullying was allowed. I I was made fun of. I know what it's like to be the underdog. And and the Bengals to me, Loyalty. the Bengals to Loyalty. me represent blue collar America. They represent Ohio. This is Ohio versus the world. Very much so. It's Cincinnati versus the world. And, and I think this is Southern hospitality. You know, a lot of people call Ohio Southern t- hospitality. Granted, we border Canada, theoretically speaking. But we're a nice city. Everybody you talk to, we're nice. The Bengals represent Cincinnati in the most Cincinnati way possible. And, and to have Burrow come in here with the swagger that he has... And the nutsack that he has to carry a wheelbarrow around to where it, to to carry those babies around, it's it's something that that I've dreamed of. It's it's something that only to Bengals fans makes sense, and to growing up and to being where I've been, to being where you've been. I just want to say thank you to to anyone that's even listened to this podcast. You know, this is the shittiest podcast there is. <laughs> rated the worst Bengals podcast ever. I just want to say thank you. I, I went from making Marvin Lewis videos to, to chanting on the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. In in it's emotional for all of us. I I just want to say thank you not only to, to the fans to the fans, but I want to say thank you to the Bengals organization. I want to say thank you to the Blackburn family that we all thought was going to be a terrible we thought we were, they were going to come in and continue continue what what has been going on. 
I want to say thank you for, for coming in and making those changes. Yeah, thank you I want to say thank you. Songs. Thank you to Bengal Jim. Thank you to the Bengalorian. Bengals captain. Thank you to Bengals captain. Thank you to Jake. Thank you to the Cincy Hub. Thank you to Willie. Thank you to 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 um, Woods. Thank you to Keith Woods. Thank you to 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 what's her name? Thank you to Kay Adams. Thank you to 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 every single person on Bengals Twitter. This one is for us. This this Bengals game is for us. Win, lose, or shoot. We are Bengals fans, and it it's been a great season. It's been it a great has. season. It has. Surreal. Take us out, Matt. Yeah, I mean... Finish you know, those off. Bengals fans, no matter what happens during this next game, we should be proud because we have overcome expectations. We were projected to be last in the division this year, and we've, we've just found a way. And I think, I think that's... Really, the three words that everybody should take away it is as us. to why we have a chance for the Super Bowl. Find a way. We're going to find a way. Because this team, together, it's not, it's not just one individual person. I know we all heap praises on Joe Burrow and everything, but it's not just him. Trey Hendrickson's out there making plays. Von Bell and Jesse Bates are working it out there together in the secondary. You know, Jamar Chase is getting the yards after catch. T. Higgins and Boyd are making the receptions when Chase is locked up. Joe Burrow's out there shrugging shrugging off defenders when his pocket's not clean. This is, this is just a combination effort, and the team's going to find a way, and I really believe that's going to be what makes us win the Super Bowl. Find a way. Find a way. It is us. Believe. Believe. I think I think this is a great sign off point <laughs> from one birthborn fan to another. Who day? And and again, this is the last podcast we will do before the Super Bowl. Who day? Who day? Who day think gonna beat them Bengals? Who day? Who day? Who they think gonna be them Bengals? No, God bless Clark Harris. God bless Clark.